all you clickers and clackers, it's your boy, Adam. And James. And welcome to the HBO Boys recap and review of The Last of Us. This week we're talking about episode four, entitled, Please Hold My Hand. Although, I don't think that that line was ever spoken in this episode. No. Did you, re- you didn't hear it, did you? I did. I don't remember that from the game. I don't think they ever held hands. No, I think this is just kind of like a, uh, what's, what's it called? Like a euphemism for like guiding someone along a path maybe i have no idea or it's i'm lonely bro hold my hand please yeah please please. gosh for the love of god i need some human touch don't (laughs) hug me i'm scared (laughs) uh this episode weirdly clocking in at only 45 minutes uh what yeah it's also not structured that much like the other episodes either no it's not we did not have a cold open it just kind of went in to it. There's sort of a vignette in the middle. Yes, yes. But but HBO got us all used to these like mini movies and uh, I mean myself and probably much of the internet was like uh, give me more screen time. I want I want more. I just thought that it was going to be an established episode structure, which I, I kind of like that. Again, sure. I always was saying, oh, Six Feet Under starts the same way. There's always some little vignette. Somebody died. They're going to the funeral home. How'd it happen? And right. I thought we were going to get something similar here, but maybe just not this episode. Is, is or Are we done with that? Or is this a one-off? Who knows? Uh, I, maybe because right now we're, we're starting to hit the stride of the story, which this episode leaves us on a cliffhanger of some very important people in the game. But, you know, regardless of its time, I I think we got a good heap of content to fill this pea-sized show uh, this week. I mean, this is truly like 45 minutes. Come on. Like, I don't even think that included the credits, <laughs> you know, but a good amount of character banter was had, a very needed, uh, some minor exposition and one fairly thrilling action sequence directly from the game. What did you think of it? Well, some people were down on this episode. People sure. named Ryan. And, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. I thought like there was this was not like a super super action-packed or dramatic episode, but I still enjoyed it, and I thought, like, you know, if this were structured like a movie, you would have a period of, like, sort of downtime. Yes. Uh, especially because uh, the, the show's been going uh, all cylinders until this episode. Yeah, they, they pulled out all the stops, even though episode three wasn't action-packed either, really, only a couple but of scenes. But it was very dramatic. But it was very dramatic. A lot went into that one, even though, again, the internet reacted in very different ways to that episode. We talk about that in episode three, so go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But this was the first one that didn't feel like the rest of the show, like you said. This one, again, we got a lot of bonding time between Joel and Ellie, which was sorely needed uh, to progress the story a little bit. We saw some departures from the source material. Nothing like last week, but for every difference this week, there was another very strong resemblance to kind of balance out what the fan of the games want. And the notorious pun book is back. And I love these quips. I love them. And although it was sort of a more chilled out and like you said, character driven episode, it's not like they milked it. It was the shortest episode. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, which uh, a few a few other properties probably could be guilty of that. <laughs> Look at it. You, House of the Dragon, episode nine. <laughs> was it episode nine? <laughs> it was the, one, the really bad one where nothing happened. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. forever. <laughs> but, James, I had, a, I had a thought after this episode, and I, I think it actually would be really easy to survive this life of fungus-infected zombies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Sure. No? Didn't land? Oh. Hey! 
Jeez. Okay. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, keeping with the theme of the puns throughout this entire episode, which I loved. Adam, what what do you get uh, when you cross a snowman and a vampire? You know, I don't know. Frostbite. <laughs> hey. <laughs> James, do you know what the uh, safest room in your house is during a zombie apocalypse? No, what is it? It's the living room. <laughs> Whoa. Well, Adam, did you hear about that one cordyceps zombie that like was really fun at parties? No. He was a really fun guy. Oh, okay. Well, enough of that. <laughs> the biggest change we saw in this episode, aside from it being in Kansas City rather than Pittsburgh, was a deep dive into the kind of humanization of this group of hunters from the game. And to pull right from the script, they're not fireflies. They're not Fedra. They're just people. Uh, and we're met with some new additions to the cast that we haven't seen in the game. These people come in the form of Kathleen, played by Melanie Linsky, uh, more recently from an excellent show called Yellow Jackets on Showtime. Uh, Ryan and I do a one-off recap episode of that, so go check that out after this as well. And also a man named Perry, played by the voice of Tommy in the original game, Mr. Jeffrey Pierce. His voice was immediately recognizable to me. That's pretty cool. I assume that this band of hunters are either related to or are extremely similar to the sort of band of random marauders who attacked Frank and Bill in the last episode. This is the band of people throughout the entire game that you kind of run through when there's bad guys that aren't the Fireflies. That's kind of this group of people. That's interesting because in the game, I did not get the sense that they were some kind of collective. I thought they were just roving bands of marauders. And I think that's that's one of the big changes that we saw here is that they wanted to humanize them. They wanted to put kind of a motive behind them and show that these people like everyone else in this terrible world have friends have family they have feelings they they yeah, have motives. I mean I can maybe buy that for like the on the ground Fedra guys possibly <laughs> and I or like the wolves or the or the fireflies yeah but for like the marauders my I always assumed their deal was like they had given up all humanity what do you think they were gonna do to Joel and Ellie in the game it didn't seem like they were just gonna you know mercifully quickly kill them and take their stuff that's not the vibe i was getting no no not at all in fact there's a really terrible scene in the game which is going to probably come later this season which i'm really sad about so (laughs) a little sad and and when joel makes explicit she's like what are they going to do kill us he's like no worse than no worse like stop so already (laughs) they sound kind of uh, beyond uh, my empathy but let's find out for sure yeah I mean yeah when we don't know if that's who he's talking about maybe we're finding this out but it's just interesting to see the other side of these people that we really don't know in the games are just kind of enemies and that's a big theme in the game the last of us too yes another side to the story oh very much yeah and it's really interesting is is there not always the right or should they be right yeah i hope that they deep dive into the second game as much as they have with this one because it's oh man they just did so good okay so um uh so in this episode we're uh also briefly made aware of two characters named henry and sam these are brothers on the run from these hunter people and these characters are pulled right from the game and this will get interesting if they keep the storyline faithful get your tissues ready (laughs) yeah also the hunter people i think in the show have been presented a lot less grotesquely than they were in the game oh yeah yeah in the in the game you could compare them 
them to like the marauders from Borderlands, but in the show, like they're like young people. Yeah, they're young people, and they kind of have structure, right? And, and and like they're not dressed in scary tattered rags. They're dressed like normal people. Yeah, like hoodies and North Faces. <laughs> But overall, I think this episode, while it was definitely shorter than I wanted or was hoping for, it gave us some much needed building between Ellie and Joel. Uh, We not only had a good amount of one-on-one time with them, but some really good exchanges. So I am happy with it. And the final scene with Joel and Ellie was like kind of a warm hug from them both. Joel actually cracking a smile and was able to open up with Ellie a little bit. I love it. I love that. I agree. And also, I think that there's been some criticism that like, Ellie's annoying. Not in the just in the show, but like in the game, people find Ellie annoying. And if you do, maybe that's your opinion. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Like, I like Ellie. And maybe Ellie does do like Marvel humor or weed and speak or whatever people are accusing Ellie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe she does that, but you know what? Ellie is 12, 14, 14. Right. And so that what's Captain America's excuse. He's a grown ass <laughs> man. <laughs> Right, exactly right. But yeah, Ellie's 14. Um, I think in the game, Ellie is a little bit more confident and cocky. Uh, She has like a little bit more experience with this kind of terrible world where this version of Ellie is more like in wonderment of the world outside the QZ. She's experiencing all this for the first time and she truly is like kind of overstimulated by it and kind of like it's silly. And I feel like this is exactly how a 14 year old girl would act in this situation. Now, Adam, have you ever watched the show Sweet Tooth or read the comic Sweet Tooth? Are you talking about the uh, the Twisted Metal? No, Twisted no, metal? I'm oh. talking about the little deer boy with antlers. Oh, no, no, is that the Robert Downey Jr. show? I, I think uh, you would actually really like it. Uh, to me, I think it's a story that borrows heavily from The Last of Us. It does Which it? is to say only if the comic came out after... The game, which I'm confident it did. Feel free to tell, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong about that. So I've been seeing around the internet that there's this kind of lack of gore and violence and brutality that the game had. And while I don't disagree, I think there's a damn good reason for it. With the game, you have to kind of be interacting at all times to keep it interesting. So there are far more gunfights, infected encounters, filler content where you're interacting and, you know, playing the game. But what the game does so well is balance the those mechanics with kind of a deceptively deep and emotional story. Right. You know, we can't expect the same with the show 100% of the time anyway. With both this game and with the other big Naughty Dog game, Uncharted, the way that they present the story is like you have sections of gameplay where you can get a game over and then just sections where you're kind of just walking through a movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. no game over. And that would not translate well one-to-one to like, oh, so now I'm going to watch two straight hours of action and now one straight hour of like walking Walking and talking uh, would, would not a good show make. So I no, think they've wisely no. changed that a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Segments are cut shorter for runtime. You know, more stories are hashed out where they couldn't be maybe in the game. You know, f- examples would be these new hunters we're seeing Bill and Frank's story, Sarah's life leading up to her death from the first episode. It all kind of feeds in this ultimate goal of showcasing humanity and, and showcasing love amongst people in kind of this hopeless, shitty world. And 
and in in the game as much as it's showing it in the show joel's character arc is really slow and calculated but it has so much depth and complexity it's like i don't think any of the show in terms of storytelling has been a waste that's kind of what i'm getting at i think everything that they've done aided in it even drastic deviations from the source material it's getting to the same milestone and i don't know about you but i'm very satisfied with it yeah i i'm overall i like the show a lot and i i I don't think that because this episode was short or because this episode was like a little uh uh slower and more sure uh nuanced than other episodes i don't think that makes it bad i think people are being reactionary they're like oh it's it's one episode was a little different from the other three the show has jumped the shark it's bad right yeah no i hate that it's like this instant gratification i know that's how people are but with a property like this like the whole story once it completes at the end it's going to be really fulfilling i think and you know these little roadblocks switching around or deviating from the story or maybe a little bit slower than we wanted you won't even notice it in the grand scheme of things and yeah and people need to count their lucky stars okay like people don't understand how bad the bad episodes of raised by wolves or the bad episodes (laughs) of lovecraft country were like yeah the good episodes were really good uh, in both those shows but like the bad episodes don't even compare to like even the worst moments of the last of us uh put those shows to shame oh yeah absolutely i agree and and I, i felt the same way with watching lovecraft country anyway that's a quick rundown of the episode so we're now gonna spoil everything uh so if you didn't watch it or don't uh, want to listen to this which how dare you um wow i sounded really i sounded like ryan there what the fuck anyway <laughs> here's an ad and we are back uh so now full-on scene by scene uh review of this very short episode um so we're gonna hopefully get through it fairly quickly yeah i got places to be <laughs> yeah same i gotta go play hogwarts <laughs> I, I gotta go uh, literally do nothing and then fall asleep okay so we start off with ellie in the bathroom of uh, an old rundown shell station fiddling with her new piece uh, that she poached from bill and frank's house and she's being all badass in the mirror like yeah what don't mess with me i'm badass ellie and uh i would be remiss if I didn't say that I did an exactly same similar thing when I first got my Beretta and it was a weird feeling. So yeah. Interesting. I have never owned or operated a gun, but uh, I mean, it looks like fun to shoot targets or whatever. Well, James, if you're back, we can go to the range if you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) or we can shoot zombies. Or we can go shoot zombies. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Anyway, uh, Joel's outside siphoning gas out of an abandoned car uh, as Ellie reads corny jokes from her pun book. Uh, Joel is a bit annoyed with this, but it's more of kind of like an, oh, Jesus, annoyed than a, you're bothering me, annoyed. He's just very quiet and keeps to himself and kind of like grunts like, hmm. But we also find out they have to stop every hour or so because after 20 years, this gasoline breaks down and is nowhere near as efficient. It's pretty much like water. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. Of all the books that your uh, teenage traveling companion could find, it's the book on puns. Yeah. Couldn't be a book of classic poetry or anything. <laughs> Right. From here, we get a faithful recapturing of the infamous truck scene dialogue taken right from the game, line for line. There's actually videos online that show them both stacked on top of each other with the audio playing at the same time. And it is very close. In the scene, Ellie first shows Joel that he found a Hank Williams tape, which he promptly throws in and he loves it. Uh, Also, something to note, these are the same exact songs that play in the game as well from this scene into the next scene. And also what was in the trailer for the show, the first release trailer. Uh, It's just a nice 
attention to detail. Joel loves country music. It's very important to his character. It's one of his few positive character traits. Yeah, he loves country music and he loves Hank Williams. So she goes on to find a very suggestive magazine uh, that she found at Bill's house, makes a joke about how the pages are stuck together, and in true game fashion, throws the magazine out of the window screaming, bye-bye, dude. And the montage carries on, and we see really detailed landscapes and set pieces. Again, a perfect example of HBO really putting care and quality into the VFX of this show. It's amazing how huge this show looks. Yeah, and there hasn't been, at least in my opinion, a single, like, bad CGI moment yet. No, there really hasn't. I think, well... No, there's one that I picked out and I think I said in the first episode, it was during the first episode, the final scene that that tracking shot where they're zooming out during the storm to the city and they're going into the city for the first time. There is a clicker on the top of the building on the left, and that's just so out of place for me, but it is what it is. (laughs) Well... I'll tell you, some things that always jump out to me is where they make, like, gunfighting look really shitty. Oh, in, yeah, like, yeah. Where it's like, the, 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 they can't even get the muzzle flash, like, even that has to be CGI. Yeah, I know. And you can get guns to fire blanks, like... Right. <laughs> I have no They're idea. just too lazy. So the people that are, like, shooting those kind of guns are, like, doing fake recoil. They're like... It's terrible. It's terrible. It probably costs a lot, so who knows? I could be talking out of my ass here. So as they keep traversing, the two finally pull over to camp off the main roads in the woods, and Ellie enjoys uh, her first 20-year-old can of Chef Boyardee. And kids will be kids. That shit is delicious. Have you had Chef Boyardee recently, James? I, you know, I still enjoy trash food uh, (laughs) every now and again. But even still, Chef Boyardee, it's just like eating a heaping bowl of salt. (laughs) (laughs) It it really is. That's why it's good after 20 years. <laughs> right. And it probably will be. Yeah, oh, yeah. But but I mean, like, in the apocalypse, I think that that is a fine cuisine choice. Yeah, she's probably never eaten better her whole life. She's yeah, probably, right. She's probably been eating, like, rats and Soylent Green her entire life. <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> So as they're sitting there kind of exchanging some dialogue, uh, Joel actually denies the request from Ellie to start a fire and explains that humans pose a threat to this world, too, as they would do much more than rob them of their equipment. As we noted before, you can kind of leave that to your imagination. Sounds pretty terrifying, but the two lay down. But before they enjoy a slumber out in beautiful nature, Ellie looks at the stars. She reads another joke to Joel and to her surprise, Joel knows the punchline. Scarecrows are outstanding in their field. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, uh, I, got, I got one for you, Adam. Yeah. What's the cutest part of the cat? I have no idea. The pause. Hey! <laughs> this is quality entertainment, folks. Oh, my God. This is what you subscribe for, and if you don't subscribe, you should. After Ellie falls asleep, Joel actually gets up and spends the night watching over Ellie with his loaded rifle. Protector Joel is very present here, and I think it was because she did have a line in there, and I, I forgot to write it down. I'm terrible at this, where it was pretty much alluding that she's a little afraid, and so I I think Joel picked up on that and decided to post up and allow her to 
sleep as the protector he is. Though we need to remind ourselves, as kind or as fatherly as Joel might seem to the audience in this moment or in this episode, he is, again, death-marching Ellie to be experimented on to death. Right, but we don't know this yet. He doesn't know this yet. No, he said that to his girlfriend, bro. He's like, don't act like she's going to have any kind of life after this. Yeah, well, to them, they don't They don't know. They don't care. You know, she's just cargo to him. Right, but now they're friends. Yes, sure. <laughs> friends with a quote-unquote. So in the morning, they continue on and Ellie asks Joel about his brother, Tommy. We find out more about his veteran status and his longing to be the hero for people. Joel ended up following Tommy along with a group of other people up to Boston. But once they were there, Marlene convinced Tommy to join the Fireflies, feeding into his kind of save the world mentality. We learn he eventually moved out west, quit the Fireflies, and now Joel feels it a family obligation to go get and save him from being on his own, while very clearly making note that Ellie is just cargo to him. Pretty stone cold, I think, but ultimately true. Yeah, but it also fleshes out Joel's motivation a little bit more, because like, you'd think if he didn't have a good reason to go west, that he, I mean, once shit hit the fan, he'd either decide, yeah, I'm not going to kill this girl because now I like her, or uh, I'm just (laughs) going to take her back because this is too risky for me. So Joel was doing what Tess requested, and even though he didn't show it, there was um, feelings there for Tess and he wants to make good on like kind of a promise to the person that he cared about. And I think that's where that's a lot less cynical than what I just said. Yes, of course it was. So they continue driving down the road, and a few hours later, they hit a roadblock at a tunnel passage, and at first, I was like, oh shit, here we go, a tunnel. But, uh, false alarm, it was literally just a blocked tunnel. (laughs) There was nothing you could see right through it. But Joel decided to take the shortcut through the city, and of course, they get lost because Ellie doesn't know how to read a map. What a loser! It's not like her second day in a car or anything. Sorry, I don't know all the car etiquette. I've never seen one before. (laughs) Oh, you need me to be your navigator? Cool. I don't know how to read a map. Yeah, right. Is this a map of uh, where we are because I would have no idea. Where's MapQuest? I kept looking at the map to see if I could find out specifically where they are, but it's not on screen for long enough. They ended up going to Kansas City. So that's the city that they're in is Kansas City. Gosh, they have made excellent progress so far. Yeah, there there absolutely was a big time jump and a big, I mean, they drove straight for two days, you know. So as they're entering and driving through the city, bickering at each other a little bit, they come across an injured man in the roadway, uh, which triggers the next series of events, pulling right from the game yet again, almost scene for scene, line for line. Joel spots that it's a trap, then proceeds to accelerate forward towards this man. They're shooting guns at him. They roll over some spiked strips and inevitably crash into a nearby laundromat. Was the laundromat, did that, is that why they crashed? I thought they crashed on a bridge in the game. No, it was a laundromat. They, they okay. were on a bridge and then they kind of went off like an exit on a bridge, like they okay, went over okay. the bridge. Yeah, it was like an overtop view. So after they crash, they become pinned down by armed men shooting at them. And while Ellie is in a state of panic, Joel snaps her in to get her attention and and tells her to crawl into a nearby hole in the wall while Joel provides covering fire. Um, And something I loved about this was actually the one-liners from the enemies. I don't know if you caught this, James, but you actually hear them say what they say exactly in the game. If I didn't know any better, I would say they pulled these lines straight from the game soundtrack. It literally is them saying, there he is, or you motherfucker. It literally was exactly the same. And I heard that all too often during my playthrough. One thing I'm glad they're not taking from the games is uh, the constant dog murder you have to do in both games. Oh, I know. I know. (laughs) It's pretty sad, but you know, if a dog's attacking you, what do you do? It's just the same dog over and over again in each level. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I just recently played a, a chapter of part two and it was the dog chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, so Joel ends up downing all the shooters, but is ambushed by one final attacker who comes up behind him. Joel gets pinned to the ground and is being strangled by the barrel of the shotgun. Ellie hears Joel's struggle through the wall and leaves this room that she was in, then nervously shoots the attacker in the back. Now, this does happen in the game, but she actually ends up being the one to kill the guy in the game. So this is a little bit different. But in here, it kind of sets up the mood for them building a relationship in the next scene, which is good. Yeah, and I think just generally, Ellie is kind of being a bit more sympathetic than she was in the games, and they're making Joel a bit more amoral than he was in the games. Mm -hmm. Sure. And and I wonder how that will change the nature of The Last of Us 2, which I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's worry about that in like three years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think depending on how the last two episodes go will hinge very heavily on how they approach the second season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It could go a couple different ways. But anyway, Joel recovers his breath as the guy's kind of bleeding out on the ground, begging for mercy. And Joel stops for a second and motions to Ellie to hand over her pistol, which I thought was funny. It's kind of like a real dad move in this respect. He's not upset. He's just disappointed. Oh, I mean, it turns out she was right. She should be carrying a gun. Joel would have died. They both would have died if she didn't have a gun. Right, right. <laughs> and he knows that. So this guy, yeah, I mean, he should have understood the risk that he was taking when he became a marauder. <laughs> right. Like, when the tables are finally turned, he doesn't even have the conviction to be like, well, fair's fair. I was definitely going to eat you. So I guess you can kill me. <laughs> well... Because Joel doesn't want Ellie to be exposed to the killing of a human in cold blood, she retreats back into the room she was sitting, quietly crying to herself, and she hears Joel stab this man to death. Good night, Brian. Yeah, tough tough break, Brian. Didn't even Sorry, want to Brian. waste a bullet on you. No. <laughs> no, why waste a bullet? Yeah, we already used one. That was your yeah. one. That was your one. You could have been dead faster. Yeah, if you had been more like game Brian, who we love, not show Brian. If only you moved your head to where I was shooting. Yeah, your mistake. <laughs> So the duo leave the area and head out to the streets as truck and men swarm the city. Those are these hunters. Now we meet Kathleen, the a bit unhinged but kind of soft-spoken leader of these hunter people. And she's interrogating a man who we find out is a doctor and actually the doctor that delivered her. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah, this was a hard cut too. At first, I was a little disoriented. I'm like, wait, who is this lady? Is she from episode one? Yep. No, she's not, in fact. New character. New 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 character. character. Yeah, totally new character. Yeah. But she's interrogating this man, looking for a man named Henry, who, which we know is from the game if you've played that, but the interrogation is cut a little short when she's interrupted by the truck bringing back the bodies of the men that Joel just killed in the shootout. And obviously, as the gang boss, your reaction is like, well, I'm done fucking with this guy. He just yeah. took out 10 good men. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, um, we should probably leave. At the very least, uh, let's let's let the heat die down until <laughs> this guy's out of here. <laughs> well, at first, she speculates that Henry's to blame, which triggers them to start searching the city, and Cap- Kathleen, like the cold-hearted bitch that she is, she returns back to that uh, interrogation room and shoots the man in the head, no hesitation. Bye-bye, Doc. Just like she did with her paramour in Yellow Jackets. (laughs) Yes. uh, Spoilers for that show. (laughs) Oh my god, it's so good, though. But uh, a bullet a day keeps the doctor away, am I right? Oh. So she then commands her army to spread out, search and destroy Henry and any other associated people. So that's where we get them searching the city. What do you think about these show originals? marauder characters 
movies? Are they compelling to you? So she is a little strange because she is a little bit unintimidating, but I think that that's really intentional. She's a leader, but doesn't seem like she should be the leader, you know? I like that they're playing on this reoccurring theme. This idea of like getting to know your enemy and then having to kill them or killing your enemy and then having to get to know them like comes up so much in this game series that I like they're kind of introducing the theme a little early. Oh, yeah, yeah, I I agree. I absolutely agree. So I'm not sad about it. Do I think that she's a good cast? I think that there could have been better casts, honestly, but I like that she's a little unassuming. And again, we've referenced Yellow Jackets twice already. In Yellow Jackets, she's pretty fucking ruthless. And uh, if you haven't watched Yellow Jackets on Showtime, I highly suggest it. It's a really cool show. So Joel and Ellie are now hiding out in an abandoned bar. Uh, Joel reflects on the shootout and tries really, really hard to express his guilt for Ellie having to shoot someone. He apologizes for letting his guard down, but uh, Daddy Joel didn't even say thank you? No, yeah, brutal. That was missing? Like... (laughs) That's going to cause lifelong insecurities. Uh, my my surrogate murderer daddy never told me I did a good job. <laughs> but I mean, this may be some sort of rotting and infected wasteland shell of a former world. But I mean, like, have some manners, right? Yeah. Okay. Geez. Well, you don't even appreciate it. Next time I won't save your life. <laughs> Ellie explains to Joel that this is actually not her first time shooting someone. He then realizes she's ready to wield the power. Uh, And they have a very, very sweet scene where he's kind of showing her how to properly hold and defend with a gun, which I thought was great. And he instructs her uh, to put it in her backpack if she doesn't want to shoot her ass off, which I, again, thought was pretty funny. But she compromises and puts it in her jacket pocket. What a typical rebellious teen. I was just getting flashbacks of like, Grogu, take the ball. (laughs) Right. It is very, very similar. <laughs> oh, I missed the Mandalorian. That's coming back when? March? Soon. Soonish. I love it. Oh, Pedro Pascal is fucking flopping off right now. Oh yeah, my he's God. in everything. I know. It's amazing. So as the hunters continue searching across the city, Perry brings Kathleen into an attic that was once a shelter for this runaway Henry. She mentions that he's running out of food, notices that there are some drawings of like children's drawings on the wall, and that he won't let someone named Sam starve, which assumably Sam is his younger brother. Um, So she knows that they're on the move. They're not going to be anywhere close right now. But Perry shows Kathleen a part of the building that the floor is about to cave in on the bottom floor. And it's pulled as if about to explode and unearth, I don't know, the horrified, infected mushroom people, aka the bloater, I hope. I think it's the bloater. Something, something cool is probably down there. It's it's the bloater. What's the one that's like, just like a tank and rushes at you? Uh, That's the bloater. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And then- Is there there one that explodes or no? Yes, so there's a new one in The Last of Us 2 that's called the Shambler, which- Okay, um, and that one blows up. Yeah, that one like squeezes spore juice at you. I might be thinking (laughs) of Left 4 Dead, (laughs) one of the zombies- Yes, yes, you are thinking of Left 4 Dead. That is one of them. I think it was called a bloater, too. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. But they choose to keep this information of the pulsating ground a secret from the others until uh, Sam and Henry are found. Kind of a dick move, but uh, I bet that backfires in the future. Cut back to Joel and Ellie. They enter into the building, and this building has 40-plus floors, and they kind of begin to climb upwards. Joel is an old man, so he's just like, we'll get to the top. Uh, We'll stop when my knees won't let me go anymore yeah that's that's a pretty good uh new joel that's a good new joel <laughs> yeah a, i can't go up the stairs Ellie. My, my knees are too old <laughs> my knees are too old Ellie. <laughs> 
Joel in this scene as they're climbing the stairs uh, reveals to Ellie that he's done bad things to survive. This included hunting and hurting innocent people. So that's how he knew this ambush was coming. He's played a dirty route and scoundrel before. Pedro Pascal, what range that you have? Right. He's like, yeah, I'd, I'd actually taught them this trick last time I came through here. <laughs> <laughs> the two enter into an office and begin to set up sort of an indoor campsite. Joel sprinkles broken glass by the door in an effort to catch any would-be intruders. And Ellie here notices that he's a little bit hard of hearing on one side, which he chalks up to firing a gun for a long time. Not sure about that one. Either way, they lay down to rest up. I don't want to say I'm dumb, but at first I was like, that broken glass. I mean, the people who come are going to be wearing boots. They're going to be fine. And then the, oh, okay, it'll be loud if they step yeah, on it. Right? Yeah, it cracks the glass. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then That's they get funny. shot and then and then they get shot right i thought it was some kind of home alone style booby trap i mean a, a little bit it was it was the ornaments on the ground you know <laughs> but in in home alone he wasn't wearing any shoes <laughs> right he should have been i don't know why he, he really should have been yeah <laughs> Up in this room for the first time, Joel tries to get Ellie to open up about her comment from earlier that this wasn't the first time she shot someone. And she quickly shoots it down. Make it a third time. Hey oh Very sad. A bit of a role reversal here, but we are swiftly re-engaged with Ellie cracking yet another punny joke, except this time... Joel actually has a very positive reaction, laughs, starts joking around with Ellie, and I loved this scene. This was the kind of opening up of these two characters to like actually have some sort of common ground, and I was waiting so long for this. Yeah, it's nice. They both feel bad because they've had to do bad things, though I should say when we find out what Ellie did, it's far more justifiable than the things that Joel has done. Right. So it's not like you could really equivocate, I think, <laughs> the two, but obviously you don't understand why Ellie feels bad. Anybody would. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, again, that's going to be in a future episode that we'll find that out. Yeah, looking forward to that one. I love that part of the game. It's actually, I think it's DLC, right? It is DLC. It's really great. Yeah. So they continue laughing and kind of joking around, ball busting each other, and the two fall asleep with smiles on their face. Again, very sweet. But the next morning, Joel is awoken by Ellie as a man has a gun held to her head. And Joel turns to the side to have a young child with a gun pointed right at Joel. And he was staring down the barrel of a forty-five. Yeah, I mean that was a good ending. I mean, obviously, I know what's going to happen, but yeah, uh, if cliffhanger you don't, ending, cliffhanger, yeah, cliff, cliffhanger ending. If you've never seen the game, a very excited ending. If you have played the game, the scenes that are to come are going to be very good, uh, heartbreaking, emotional. Uh, it's that oh, they yeah. hit it all again. I mean, again. based on how they presented episode three, I'm assuming they're going to really nail this story arc. I sure hope so. I just every episode every week i'm like man i hope they nail it and of course they have been but there's always that unknown and uh we should say is the next episode's coming in like three days friday the 10th of february so it will be a little bit early and now so Um, am i yeah (laughs) and uh thank the super bowl for that because you can't encroach on the super bowl and adam who's your money on for this super bowl Ooh, i want kc to win because i had mahomes as my quarterback in my fantasy league but it's probably gonna be the eagles damn that's what that's what i'm guessing anyway i want mahomes to win well hopefully uh the next episode will be good and the eagles will lose yeah right for my sake please 
And that is episode, what is this? Four? Four. That is episode four of The Last of Us. Again, this one was a very quick episode. A lot happened in terms of character development, but it wasn't, as you would say, chock full of action. There was things that were being set up. This was absolutely a setup episode, but it needed to happen. Yeah, I liked this episode. I didn't think just because it's different, it's like a worse episode or anything. I, I, in fact, I will stand by this episode. And if you didn't like it, then you got a problem with us. And Adam will fight you, but not me. I have a medical condition. And if you want to help support our podcast, please subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash H-B-O-B-O-I-Z. For one or more dollar a month, you can help support our wonderful side hustle here of creating podcast content for you all to listen to if you want to. We really hope you do. We seem to have a very dedicated core listenership. All of you, tell one other person about the show. Yes, just tell one other person to say, hey, you should put a dollar to these guys because they're great and they're fun and you could talk to them on the Discord. Like, who didn't want to do that? You know? And, and I'm calling out you people. Sunshine, Connor, Outdowd, Jamie Lochner, James Watch My Dong, Chris Wood, Brent Ginn, Craig, John Jewers, Major Woody, Carol Andreas. I'm talking to you. And if you get more people, I'm going to say their name too. Yeah, patrons, get to work. You're not doing enough. <laughs> That's not true. We appreciate and are happy that you are along for the ride and just please support if you care to do that. And As we'll friends. be back as friends Just and as we friends. will be yeah. we will be back next week earlier probably james do you have uh, an earlier time slot in the weekend yeah let's do it on the weekend as friends okay as friends and then we'll hopefully maybe have it up by monday so we'll see how it goes and it'll oh it's gonna go it's gonna go onto the internet so you can listen to it uh, yeah but only platonically